Let us pray. Holy Father, once again we come before you and thank you for your word as usual. We certainly would be in the dark and very lost without your word to lead and guide and direct us as to how we should then live. Bless us now as we continue studying in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We left off uh, looking at some verses of Scripture this morning with regard to what it is to walk in the Spirit. And we pointed out that walking in the Spirit is simply living in obedience to God and His Word. We looked at uh, a few passages in John chapter 14, and then we went on to 1 John, and we were looking at some verses of Scripture there, and when we <clears throat> when we uh, concluded this morning. We want to, excuse me, kind of like I've had something in my throat all day. <clears throat> we want to take up again in First John <clears throat> in chapter 4. <clears throat> and just showing very, very clearly what it is to walk in the Spirit. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Now, if we do not take this in context with everything else we're going to read, we will be befuddled in trying to figure out how that we can examine and put to test a spirit. How can we put to test an angel. How do we know what a spirit is? Is it something that is in me? Or is it an angel? Is it a devil? Is it just exactly what is a spirit? Well, as we read the second half of the verse, we get an, uh, 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 some insight because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, we can't try, that is, we can't put a spirit in, in some kind of test tube and, and test it. But we can examine 
a preacher. We can examine a preacher. And how can we examine a preacher? By what he preaches. And this is how you spot whether a preacher is a true preacher or not, whether he is a false prophet or a true prophet. Hereby, verse 2, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus is the Christ, no, excuse me, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now, we'll see more about this later, but I'll just introduce this now. One of the things that John was writing against was people in that day, they were called Gnostics. <coughs> One of the Greek words for know is gnosko. And Gnostic comes from that word gnosis. In other words, you can kind of hear the similarity. And so they thought they had some high insight, some special insight that nobody else had. And therefore, they were the enlightened ones. Uh, recently heard about a group that was meeting and the leader, main leader of the group was one that he told everybody that he taught in this group, he told them that they should not read any books, they shouldn't read any commentaries, they shouldn't read or any of that, they should only listen to him. Well, when you hear somebody say that, you automatically know to run from them uh, just as fast as you can. <clears throat> but hereby know ye the Spirit, uh, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is coming, the flesh is of God. And so the Gnostics said that the flesh is evil and the flesh is sinful. And therefore, since flesh is evil and sinful, then Jesus Christ could not have had a true fleshly body. There was another group of Gnostics. They said that Jesus was just a human and then when He was baptized, <coughs> The, the, divine, the divine nature of the second person of the Trinity came upon Jesus and stayed with Him until the crucifixion and then He left Him. That was another kind of Gnosticism. Uh, one of the main leaders of that was by, a man by the name of Serenthius. And history tells us that John, the apostle that wrote this epistle, uh, was in Ephesus. And we know John was in Ephesus at one time. And he was in Ephesus. <clears throat> and 
and Serenthius was there, and John was in the public bath or in the public bathroom, and Serenthius came in, and John said, let us get out of here before the building falls in on us. That's how much he uh, was afraid that, you know, that God's judgment might fall on a person that denied the humanity and the deity and the God nature of Jesus Christ. And, but, so they said, and so, uh, John writes and tells them that any spirit, in other words, we could say any preacher that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God and every spirit or every individual that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. So you see here that trying the spirits is not trying somebody's mind. It's not trying somebody's feelings. And it's not trying some evil spirit that's floating around out there. It's trying a preacher. See the simplicity of it. In, in other words, people try to make it be more complicated than it is. Verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know ye the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So walking in the spirit is simply walking in accordance with the word of God, in agreement with the word of God. And if you're doing that, then you are in the Spirit and you have the right Spirit. And anybody that preaches otherwise is not of God. Anyone that preaches contrary to the Scriptures is not of God. For time's sake, drop down to verse 11 of the same chapter. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. Don't ever forget that. No man has seen God at any time. Now there's people that say God appears to them in this, that, and the other. Well, they've never seen God. They've never seen God. In fact, the only way that you can see God is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. We ought also to love one another. I believe I started in verse 12 instead of verse 11, didn't I? Okay, verse 11. Let me back up and start again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another... 
God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. So how do we know that we love God? We know that we love God by loving His people, by loving His children. We ought to love one another. You say, well, uh, if I could just see God, well, you can't see Him, but you can see His children. And we know if we love His children... We know that we dwell in Him. Verse 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever therefore shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. So how do I know that God dwells in me and I dwell in God? Do you love His children? It's a very, very, very telltaying sign when some individual who claims to be a believer refuses to show love toward another believer. One of them, if not both of them, very likely are not believers. Because God's children love each other. God's children love each other. That's not an option. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9 says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. When God regenerates an individual... He also puts the love of God in that individual, and that individual loves God's children. His will has been changed in such a way that he has a desire and a delight to be around the people of God. When an individual does not have any desire to be around the people of God, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. He needs to do an inventory check to see if he really loves God. Chapter 5 of 1 John starting in the first verse. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
Say, I don't I, I wonder if I'm born of God or not. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? You say, Well, I, yeah, but I don't feel like I'm born of God. It didn't it didn't say whether you felt like it or not. The verse didn't say he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ feels like he's born of God. It said he is. He is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat. Loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, every individual that has been begotten. Has been born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. He not only loves Jesus Christ, but he also loves every other individual that is begotten by the Holy Spirit. See, it's not a matter of a feeling. Now, I know love, uh, there is feeling in love, but love is not a feeling first. You all have heard me say that many times, and I'll say it again. In fact, in 1 John, the word, the, the, the verb love is mentioned more than the noun love. So what does that, that tell you? It tells you that 1 John is saying that love is an action first and a feeling second. And so if you love God, that is, if you, how do we know we love God? What did we start out with this morning? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if, if we love God, <coughs> and how we know that is by whether we're keeping his commandments or not. If we love God, we're going to be loving our brother. And what is loving our brother? Loving our brother is also doing good to him anytime we can. When he's in need, we will do good toward him. In fact, I didn't read it. Uh, I'll stop right here and turn. I'm not finished reading all I'm going to read in chapter 5, but look in chapter 3 of 1 John. Verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest. Alright, in something, it makes manifest. It shows the children of God. And the children of the devil. We're going to see something here. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. 
Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, if I love my brethren, I'm going to lay down my life for him. So you mean really give your life physically if it takes that? But if I love my brethren, I'll get out of my selfishness and I'll do for him at, at my own expense. And he goes on and says in verse 17, But whoso hath this world's goods, good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So how do I know I love my brother? If my brother is in need and I have something that will uh, uh, alleviate his need, then I'll come to his aid. If my brother has need and I have, some, what I, I have something that will help him and I don't do it, then I don't love him. And if I don't love him, what does that say? I don't love God. You see, it's not a feeling first. There may be a brother or a sister that their makeup is of such that they just kind of rub you the wrong way every time you're around them. But if they're in need, regardless of how much they kind of rub you the wrong way, you'll go out of your way to do for them. See, it's not a feeling. It's an action. It's an action. How do we know that we love our brother? How do we know that we're walking in the Spirit? Are we loving God and His Word? And in loving God and His Word, we're going to be loving His brethren. We're going to be loving the children of God. And if we're not doing that, then I can see why some people don't know whether they're saved or not. Because they don't, they don't show, show love to Christians. They'll show love to somebody that kind of acts like they do. You say, well, uh, those Christians that I'm around, we're just not the same age. We don't have a lot in common. If you don't have God in common, you don't have anything else in common. And if you have God in common, you want to be around them, period. That's just how That's how critical it is. That's how critical it is.
Well, back in First John 5, I think I need to take up verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. That goes back to John 14, does it not? For, who, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Let's look at Ephesians 5. Now what are we talking about? Walking in the Spirit. Picking up in verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So how is it that one is going to be filled with the Spirit? How is it that he's going to be walking in the Spirit? He's going to be walking according to the commandments of God. And what's his music going to be? What's he going to be singing? He's going to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He's not going to be singing some country music uh, tune about... Uh, how his wife ran off with his husband's best friend and all such junk as that. Nor all of this so-called Christian rock and everything else that has all kinds of African music beat and drums to it. And No, he's going to be singing songs and hymns. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart. To the Lord. By way of comparison, look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. This is a parallel passage to what we read in Ephesians. Let the word of Christ, Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So you can see how all of this ties together. 
So hopefully you can see how all of this is tying together. In other words, walking in the Spirit is just simply obeying God and obeying His commandments. Whether it be by loving our brethren, whether it be uh, trying the spirits. Uh, in other words, you can see that walking in the Spirit is not some feeling, is not some uh, Holy Ghost feeling that some people might have and things of that nature and some uh, electric pulse uh, flooding through your body. It's just simply knowing the Word of God and doing it. Now, I assure you that I could have multiplied more and more Scriptures to teach. But if what I have given is not plain enough uh, for any Bible believer, I don't know how to make it any plainer. It is impossible to walk in the flesh when one is walking in the Spirit. And the Scripture demand is, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice what it says there in Galatians 16. That's our text that we've been uh, looking at all day so far. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You cannot, you cannot be walking in the Spirit and fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You cannot be fulfilling the lust of the flesh and walking in the Spirit. They're contrary to each other. They're contrary to each other. And though we, we will look at this more in detail later, but some of the examples of walking in the Spirit is what we see in verses 22 and 23. That's in Galatians 5, by the way. I don't know whether you... Uh, in other words, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are things that a person is going to be manifesting and showing forth in their life when they're walking in the Spirit. When they're walking in the Spirit. Now, having gone over all that we have gone over thus far, it should not be complicated to see what walking in the flesh is. You see the verse there? This I say, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Therefore, walking in the flesh is doing those things that are pleasing to our fleshly wants and desires. Now, unless I am misunderstood, I believe I need to give a caveat here. Obviously, we love our family. You know, husbands and wives, they love each other and uh, 
and uh, they love their children. Children love their parents, and uh, that's that's the norm. It's abnormal. It's a perversion when husbands and wives do not love each other, and they don't love their children, and the children don't love their parents, and so on, and they don't show that. So, I'm not saying by that that because you feel good towards your children or your your spouse or, or or whatever along that line. I'm not saying that's wrong. It could be wrong if you put it ahead, ahead of God. But you know what I'm talking about. The things that are listed in verses uh, 19 and through 21. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, so on. If a person is living, let's just put it this way. If a person is living in such a way that he is comfortable in the world, and he is comfortable around worldly people, and worldly people are comfortable around him, something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's walking in the flesh. A person say, well, one thing comes to mind. I think I've used this illustration before. Uh, there was a minister that I knew years ago living in Indiana. And his name was Don Ellis. And one of the congregations that he was pastoring at one time, there was a lady that came there every Sunday. Every, every time the, the meeting house doors were open, she was always there. And he kept calling her sister and sister this and sister that and one day I don't forgot the, the lady's name but he said sister so and so said why don't you join the church said I just know you love the Lord you're here all the time she said well let me tell you something and then you you answer me what you think I ought to do she said, as you know, I'm uh, an old maid. And I live with my sister. I don't know how to drive. The only way I have of going and doing anything is, is going with her. And she's a member here. And she comes and uh, I come and I enjoy being around the people here. I enjoy... Uh, the company, I just enjoy being around them. They're my neighbors and so on. We just, I just, I enjoy being around them. And said, I like, uh, I like, I like good singing too. Said, I enjoy that. But I can't stand preaching. Said, you think I ought to be a member? See, here's a woman. She was lonely. She wanted to get out of the house. Can't blame her for that. Uh, the house of God is a good place to be. And she would go there. and uh, It surely 
good godly singing doesn't do her soul any harm. But she does not, did not, did not care for the Word of God. See, there's a woman that was walking in the flesh. It wasn't, it did not appeal to her. You say, well, you don't know. You're just judging her. Remember what we read in, in uh, 1 John 5? That if you're begotten of God, you love God's commandments and His commandments are not grievous. See, a person that doesn't want to live according to the Word of God and is comfortable living according to the world, they're walking in the flesh. They're walking in the flesh. They have no concept of true spirituality. Recently I was talking to a relative of mine and he likes to read books of all sorts and he asked me, have I read a book by so-and-so? Well, I'd never even heard of the man as far as I know. And... <clears throat> And by normal conversation, just by normal conversation, uh, this relative that I am referring to, uh, you might hear them talk and you think, you know, they love the Lord. But he got to talking about this book that he read by this certain author and how good it was and he was trying to explain the plot to me to some degree. And it had to do with some people in a boat. And this girl was trying to get into the boat to uh, rescue these people. But they kept uh, pushing this girl away. And uh, if, if my relative had the, the plot right, uh, I'm going to give the benefit of... The doubt, maybe he really didn't understand the book himself. But anyway, said the girl was Jesus. And I thought immediately, how could anybody that had any gumption about the Bible read such a book as that and think it's a good book? I don't read fiction. <clears throat> I will read some good historical novels that are based on facts, but for uh, to, I don't know that I've uh, I don't I may have a fictional book in my library somewhere, but I don't <laughs> if I do I don't know. Uh, but I say that to say this: that is. Sad to say, a, a picture, a description of what modern Christianity is. And it's sure not a picture of walking in the Spirit. Obviously, as I've already said, I believe, that walking in the Spirit is the opposite of walking in the flesh. 
and vice versa. And a person cannot do two opposites at the same time. Look in James chapter 3. James speaks to this. Picking up in verse 9, talking about the tongue, he said, Therewith, or that is, with the tongue, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the, mouth, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be, ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? You, you, do you expect to go to a stream of water and get good water and bad water at the same time? It's going to be one or the other. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine figs so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So you can't do two things, two opposites at the same time. Jesus spoke to this in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 24. <clears throat> This will help. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. And likewise, you cannot serve the Spirit of God and the flesh at the same time. Now we'll see more about the, the flesh when we look at verses 19 through 21. I'm going to introduce verse 17. I'm just going to read the verse and make a few comments, but we'll come back to verse 17, Lord willing, next Lord's Day. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Though we are not to walk in the flesh, we are to walk in the Spirit, we still have our old man. We have a fleshly nature we have a spiritual nature. And I'll say, like I said, Lord willing, I'll say more about this next time. But we have in this verse some good news and some bad news. The bad news is because we still have our sinful nature, 
We cannot serve God as good as we ought. But the good news is, because we have the Spirit of God in us, we cannot sin as much as our nature would otherwise. There's a warfare. And we're going to look at that warfare. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't do the subject just if we started on it this afternoon. I just wanted to kind of bring it to your attention to give you something to look forward to, maybe. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank You for Your Word and for the clarity of what it is to walk in the Spirit. And bless us to be mindful to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. In Jesus' name, Amen.